Welcome to season four. Welcome to season four of this most unbelievable podcast. We open season four with a confession. We don't have a plan. We have no idea what's going to show up. Our podcast and every season is our place of invention. It's where we go to think and learn with each other and to open dialogue with our listeners. We look forward to another season of brainstorming and surrendering to what unfolds. Thanks, y'all. Now on with the show. Hey, Paul. Hey, Sherry. What's going on? <laughs> you know, life meaning the universe. The huge, the huge. Huh? Usual topics. How's it going? Cool. Um, it's going pretty well, I think. Uh, here we are. It's podcast. What is it? Tuesday? So. Podcast Tuesday. Podcast Tuesday. Indeed. Podcast Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, and doing well. Good. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting podcast Tuesday because we've been talking for a little while now and we have been having connectivity issues. We have. I've had them for the last couple of days. Um, actually, you know, I've heard I've been kind of glitchy. I've heard my, I've been freezing. My audio has been like stopping and then it like, it's speeds up really fast and it looks fun and it sounds funny, you know, so we might, uh, we might make it through this one. Well, what's funny is because we record separately on our own mixers, whatever we produce will sound flawless. It will. But what's interesting is... Uh, our listeners will hear flawless audio, but we may not experience flawless audio yeah. between uh, each other. Yeah. When do we ever, you know, between any any people, you know, when is audio ever flawless between ourselves? You know, it's the inconvenience of these words that we use, you know, to say things to each other and to make our intention known and all of that. What's to be done with it? That's all we got. That's all. You know, well, it's not true. It's, it's a lot of what we got. It's a lot of what we have, you know, and I, okay. So words are kind of interesting because obviously I love them a lot. I put a lot of, yeah. Yeah. I put a lot of clout in them. We, we literally are doing this thing where we use words and putting it out there. So, right. And we, we've decided this is the thing we're going to do. And we've done it like a bunch of times, like 50, 50, 50 times. Happy anniversary. Yeah. Happy. happy Well, I don't know. Is 50 an anniversary. Like, I don't know. It is now. Okay. So. That's, yeah. I mean, when we... Weekiversary. You know? Yeah. When we hit 52, we'll have hit it, our our potiversary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I like that we make up like milestones that we acknowledge. This this is like my favorite thing. But... Yeah. Um, I just think it's good to celebrate things. Um, mm-hmm. But words... Yeah. So we choose to use words... And we record them, talk amongst ourselves, and then we put them out there for strangers and friends and loved ones and foes, who knows. uh, Who knows? (laughs) To listen to. And yet words are slippery. Uh Uh-huh. They are. Mm -hmm. They are. So what's your beef with words, Paul? They go through... um... They go through this space in between uh, people, 
a lot of times. Um, right now, for example, if you're listening to this, you know, these words are transversing the space between. Um, and a lot can happen in that space. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot happens before the words get into that space and a lot happens after the words are in that space. Um, when the words, you know, are leaving the speaker, mm -hmm. you know, how did those words come into being? Um, why those words? Why the volume? Why the tone? Why the inflection? What is really trying to be to be sent here mm -hmm. with, with these words? And that um, the foundation of that is all kinds of stuff. The foundation of that is, you know, in my case, 49 and change years, almost 50, um, of trying to figure out what it is I'm actually trying to convey and then having a, a toolbox with which to do that. Toolbox being not just the words, but how to say the words, how fast to say the words, how what words to emphasize, you know, how to move my body while I'm saying the word, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the stuff that gets packed into, into a word. Um, and then you sort of throw it out there. You know, you sort of throw it out there into the, into the, into the universe. Sometimes, uh, you you record it and send it out to a lot of people. Sometimes it's directed in a specific way for the intention of one person to 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 hear that, and then um, what happens on the other side? Mm -hmm. You know, it's received by somebody who has a completely separate, different life, a completely separate set of circumstances, a completely separate way of of relating to those exact same words and those exact same gestures and those exact same tones and inclinations and all of that, and it, it goes in. But it doesn't go in in the way that they were sent. It goes in in the way that it was received, you know. And mm -hmm. if only there wasn't this dumb space in between people and I could just take what, I, what I'm what i intending to intend and just like shove it in, right, to somebody else's being with, his, with an abject, you know, refusal of, <laughs> you know, uh, self-autonomy self and, you know, a totally impositional way of thinking about it. Um that would just be so much easier. Mm -hmm. Then again, you know, um, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be easier to do that? But but then again, what would be the fun? Well, well, yes. They so rarely la they so rarely land as intended. Sometimes you know, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's never a guarantee. I'm not sure that they are always delivered as intended either. I mean, so that's you know. In my classes, when I teach the rhetorical situation, one of the things that I teach is that um, within the rhetorical situation, there's, you know, the speaker, the communicator, there's the audience that's being communicated with, and there's, you know, that primary audience, right? Like, so right now my primary audience is Paul Fitzgerald, but my secondary mm -hmm. audience is whomever is going to listen to this podcast, right? So audience is complicated already um, because there's also like, even if we weren't just recording something on Zoom, like back in the olden days, like my audience yeah, right. might be you and also the person sitting next to me who might overhear me at the coffee shop, right? So audience is complicated. Right, right. And so whatever I intend to say is going to be flavored by my approximation of who you are and how you're going to receive it, my approximation of who everyone in my audience is and how they're going to receive it. And then in addition to that, we actually have the purpose behind why I'm speaking in the first place. 
Yeah, right. So there's what I'm trying to accomplish. And all three of those things, audience, speaker, and purpose, are all separate from the actual message, what I actually say. And so, and then there's like context and all of this is around it. And so I think that this is what's so complicated about communicating in the world is that um, what we say and what we're trying to accomplish are not always the same thing. And so once that's true, then I might say a thing to you, but what I'm really trying to accomplish is different. And then you are going to hear what I say and you're going to receive that message and you're going to interpret what my purpose was based upon that message. And we may or may not be like working with the same understanding of the world. No, yeah, no, yes. And, you know, I would go farther and say, we know we're not. Right. We know we're not. And that's not about me. It's not about you. It's about like no two people are. Yeah. No two people are, you know, two twins, you know, or not. No. You know, it's like, and, you know, we, I mean, we, we see this tested so often. Um, you know, that's why email is so bad, you know, it, and, and texting is, you know, notorious for this as well. It's like, you have no idea what all the little nuances that don't make it a perfect um, transmission of intentionality or whatever it might be that you're trying to do or purpose or objective um, but stripping all of that off definitely makes it less, less likely that you're going to land on <laughs> that, that true intention of, of what it is that's actually trying to be, trying to be said. Right. You know, and, and we live this every time we record one of these, you know, it's like, I think I mean, we try to do our best with each other and with, with the listeners. And sometimes we get it right. And sometimes we get it wrong, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, Whenever I record one of these podcasts, I mean, one of the thoughts in my head for listeners is, please be kind. We're not going to get this right all the time. You yeah. Know? You know, we're just doing our best over here. Yeah. You know, with our best intentions to, to do an interesting podcast that is useful and valuable to you that you dig, um, where it's you're, you're at least reasonably able to pick up what we're laying down with what our intentions are. So would you say that that, when we record, is that the purpose that you identify for our podcast? Like, are we talking for the purpose of giving listeners something to to enjoy? Um, I don't, you know, uh, there, there's levels to that. Yeah. You know, it's like, I kind of, but there's more. Kind of, but there's but there's more. Mm-hmm. You know, um, all I, I want all of those things to be true. It's like I want to record a podcast. You know, uh, I've heard we banter well. Uh, Rumor has it each, <laughs> we banter well, um, and you know we've heard sometimes some interesting things come up every once in a while um, in in the podcast, and we I hope that that's true. Um, I hope that's true. Yeah. You know, but ultimately. Uh, it just feels like the right thing for me to do. I mean, it feels like, you know, something that I'm, I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it feels like something that we're doing right now. And are we doing it for listeners? Yes. Are we doing it for us? Yes. Am I doing it for myself? Yes. It, it's, it's sort of all of these. Right. You know, and, and this podcast didn't start with, hey, let's do this thing for these listeners. I mean, that's that's not what, you know, the first one was not recorded with listeners. Right. Well, and this is where, like, 
one of the things that's to me interesting when we record is that this in a lot of ways is me at my least rhetorical. Mm-hmm. So um, I think I was actually writing about this in my morning pages this morning. Nice. Um, you know, I perform a lot like um, and a lot of times my performances, like how I perform in spaces that I navigate um, are based upon my understanding of what whomever I'm with, what they want to see reflected back, right? Like, so a lot of times mm-hmm. what I'm doing is approximating what are the expectations of the person I'm talking to uh-huh. and how do I offer to them the perfect reflection of what they expect. And that's a rhetorical strategy. Like that is me trying to communicate in a way that's going to put whoever I'm talking to at ease because they're getting what they expect. Yeah. And I, I do that a lot. I mean, if I, if I taught um, my class, if I taught a class without any consideration for who the audience is, what the diversity of their experiences might be, the fact that it's going out to people with a diversity of experiences, um, just knowing that going in guides and informs um, I don't want to say limits, you know, but guides and informs how I'm going to approach that, mm-hmm. that, that event of that, of that conversation. I, I found recently that when I talk about bands that I liked in the seventies, no one knows in my classes who those people are, <laughs> you know, the pop cultural references are lost through time. Right. So I'm probably not going to bring up Millie Vanilli in in my bio class because people are just going to be like, what is he talking about? So, I mean, you know, definitely, yes, certainly some consideration for the audi- who the audience is and or who the intended, I almost said intended target, right? The, the intended listener is um, absolutely guides a little bit or a lot bit or entirely how that comes out. Yeah. You know, how that how that comes out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we, I think, you know, it's something we kind of, we learn to do. We train ourselves to do it. And I spend a lot of time teaching people how to get better at doing it. Right. Uh Um, Yeah. And so that's, what's interesting to me about our podcast in some ways, because um, most of the time when I communicate, I am hyper aware of audience and I am hyper aware of purpose. So one would not write unless they knew what they were going to say. Um, But in our podcast, I think it's because this is just kind of how our conversations have always started to unfold. I don't think too much about who's listening. Um, I end up just being kind of just in it, right? Like with, you know, this, this human who's like one of my best friends and we just have a conversation and I can just mostly just be myself because you already know I'm weird and you're, you're here for it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so sometimes like, I feel like there's this tension between who I, how I think communication is supposed to go in the world and then what actually happens on this podcast. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure what that is. Um, really too different. I mean, there's a couple of things that I could say about my approach to the 
to the how do how do you report a, record a podcast or whatever or what's different. I think I do speak a little slower on the podcast. Or on the podcast, not not because uh, I'm thinking of of you know this particular listener. I'm just thinking of the fact that there are listeners. Um, and I'm, <laughs> period, and I'm a I'm I'm kind of a fast talker, and I, I slip into that every once in a while. So I do try to slow down. Um, but if anybody is wondering. Um, what's different now with recording the podcast versus the conversations that you and I used to had? It's like there's a microphone. That's that's pretty much only the, the only thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how this that's how this originally started. And we talked about this in some of the podcasts a long time ago, right back at the beginning. It's like the only difference now is we're recording them. This is I mean that's the only difference that that really is here. But now it's like we're the only difference is we're recording them and I'm speaking slower and I'm trying to articulate a little bit more. <laughs> Well, and giving more space for, you know, I'm literally saying, and I'm going on and on about this too, right? And trying to give more space for. Right. Well, it is. For a a fair and equitable conversation to happen. Yeah. It is also interesting, I think, the fact that we still don't, we don't record our whole conversation though, right? No, no, no. You know, there, there is a moment where we're like, wait, this could be a podcast. Let's shut up and make it a podcast. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. But I do find, you know, I love podcasts. I love words. Um, That's one of the reasons I like that we write together and we make the podcast together. But I am finding more and more that I am suspicious of communication. Mm. Um, and, And I think it has to do with that fact that I have a strong desire for connection Mm-hmm. And I'm hyper aware at how words can fail us in trying to create connection. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where. I'm just trying to think of the different ways. I mean, so, here's some obvious stuff, right? That we're going to, I'm going to say it's like it's interesting. I mean, words are pretty important to our culture and society, I think. Uh, you know, either, you know, because part of me was like, well, what's the other ways we could do it? You know, um, there's what's the difference between speaking versus writing, you know, because I, I suspect a, a completely different, well, not completely different, a somewhat modified version of how you how we choose the words we do, mm-hmm. um, how we structure the words we do on the page. All this other stuff is part of the kabuki or the yoga a little bit of um, trying to make sure that whatever it is that we're intending is coming across as intended, knowing that you're never going to be 100% on that, knowing that you're at the, at the best. I don't know what a percentage sort of might be. You know, um, I pay attention to actions mm-hmm. a lot. You know, um, what do people do versus what do they say? You know, there are, are alternative ways of communicating that are not words. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, you know, and and um, how is this person living their life? Um, what are, what are they doing? Um, and I've made some very simple rules that are a little more uh, probably authoritarian than they truly are. 
that, you know, uh, anybody can say words, you know, it's actions that define us. It's like, well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, I've, I've done dumb things in my life that I, while doing them, I know are not who I really am, you know? So some actions do definitely show a little bit of prioritization about what we think of ourselves and who we're trying to be and what we think is important. But that's not always 100% true or accurate either, mm-hmm. I think, you know? But, you know, that is an alternative to, to words, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is an interesting, yeah, I mean, I think we can communicate a lot without words, right? Like, action is something, you know, physical contact is something, body language is something, Um, but we do, we lean a lot on words to... Oh, yeah, 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 totally. To bridge the connection, and I think that that's particularly true... um, I've been thinking about this a lot with just respect to COVID, um, how much more we have to rely on words because we don't have close proximity. Yeah, it's a lot. You know? Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, So words are this flawed tool that we use to try to connect with other people. So there are other strategies, mm-hmm. but we end up using words. More often than not. Yeah. So I have a really simple question for you. Yes. What does it mean to feel connected to someone else? Uh, what does it feel what to is, feel connected to someone else? What does it mean to feel? What does it mean? What does it mean to feel connected to someone else? I think it, it, to feel connected to somebody else means that there is a felt sense that the intention of what is trying to be communicated is being heard and being interpreted correctly. So is communication essential to connection? Interaction is essential to connection. Um, is it? I mean, from first principles, you know, you have to be there have to be other people out there to be connected to them. Um, and you might, it might be helpful to know that they're participating in something that you're a part of society, civilization, your neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, part of the food chain or at least food resourcing or whatever it, it sort of might be. Um, there are levels of that connection. I mean, you don't necessarily have a deep connection with the person who delivers your mail, but there's an interaction there. You know, there's a connection that, that is that that is, is possible to have there. That connection can grow by, you know, uh, putting out a fizzy water for them when they drop by. And I mean, you can, or leaving a, leaving a holiday card, you know, in the mailbox when they, when they deliver on the holidays, whatever it might be. Um, there are ways to interact, but yeah, you know, I, I might go back and revise my revision. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think levels of interaction as fleeting as that might be, there might be nothing more than you see them a lot at the grocery store or you recognize them on occasion. Because when, when you do that, you see it's like, oh, there's that person over there, you know, and eyes can be met across a room or across a grocery store or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, the, the, what is the nature of that interaction? It's acknowledgement that you're on this earth together mm-hmm. doing this thing, um, struggling the same struggle winning the same victories, uh, you know, hustling, 
you know, scratching and surviving, yeah. grinding, you know, right. uh, trying to make a, a life yeah. in this world. And the shared experience is that. And the, the acknowledgement of those shared experiences are, are probably the basis of, of connection. Yeah, it's interesting. I was reading this article and I won't remember the title of it now, but if I, you know, we could always throw it in the show notes. But um, yeah. it was basically about how the kinds of relationships that COVID has really strained and it's not necessarily like the relationship with your, you know, BFF. Right. It's the relationship with people whose last name you don't even know. Right. And so the author yeah. uses, you know, essentially the article is all about weak ties. Right. Um, but the author talks a lot about right. like going to the bar and watching sports and having that community of people that you see at the bar every week who maybe you don't ever actually talk to but you have this connection to um you know i think about you know a year ago now you and i were going um to a bar every monday night and there were like a couple of bartenders who i had a connection yeah. with yeah um yeah. right like whose last names i do not know whose first names i'm ashamed to admit i don't remember yeah. i was just trying to remember it's like i don't remember what her Right. Um, <laughs> she knew our drinks, though. Yes, yeah, she <laughs> knew our drinks. And um, like that kind of and that's exactly what the article talks about is like the barista who knows you and starts on your order without ever talking to you about it. Like um, COVID really, you know, you, you can't call that barista up. And be like, hey, how's it going? Like that relationship is yeah. just dormant for now. Yeah, yeah, and and we have most of us have probably have not reached out to the to the person that we saw randomly in the hallway who was you know doing whatever, but you saw them regularly at your place of work if you're not going there anymore. Yeah, or the barista or whoever it might be. We're not reaching out and saying, oh, hey, how you doing? We're probably not. You know, the entire nature of the relationship was the regular interaction mm -hmm. that was appreciated. Yeah. That was appreciated and is no longer there to appreciate. Right. And I, you know, I'm starting to make myself feel bad, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm starting to feel like I should reach out to people that I used to, you know, interact with every once in a while uh, who no longer do, you know, what are the, what are the odds that they're thinking the same thing about me? Probably low, but I don't know. Mm. Well, I think, um, I think part of what's interesting about those relationships is that I don't think we actually have the time and space and the energy to have deeper relationships with those people than what we had, right? Like, yeah, that's probably true. So, yeah, that's probably true. So they were serving this social function of connection. It's like, um, I was reading another article about how, um, introverts are really impacted um by the pandemic because they're not going to like like things like yoga classes like this is actually yeah. true for my husband right. like right. eric's not going to group yoga classes anymore but for eric going to a group yoga class was like as good as socialization because it was sh yeah. still a shared experience even though no one ever spoke to him beyond maybe right. like Hey, what you reading? Right? Hey, or yeah, pass hey. me that yoga block. Like that was it. But it was like, check, I have socialized. Um so I I don't know. I think that this like 
this phenomenon of like those relationships build something in our lives without necessarily a lot of words or even a lot of like engagement. Yeah. Hey, past that yoga block can be the basis of a, of a relationship. Although, you know, however, however, um, convenience based it is. Yeah. You know, it still does. It still does check those boxes of, well, people having a shared experience, hustling and grinding, scratching and surviving on this earth, trying to do the best they can. Yeah. And then the acknowledgement of that, hey, pass that, pass, could you pass me that yoga block? Checks every one of those boxes. Right. Yeah. Um, that we're in this together box, you know. We're in this together. Yeah. Um, so interesting. So we're in this world. There was this. Go ahead. There's this old research, right? I don't know how old it is. Well, it's it's old if you're young. Uh, if you're if you're older like me, it's not not that old. I guess it's pretty new research, right? Um, and it was about Facebook friends when Facebook used to be start taking off. So this is like a million years ago, and it's like Bob has one thousand three hundred and twenty two friends, and it's like how many of these people really are Bob's friends? You know, how many close friends is it possible to have? You know, and I think a lot of math went into conjectural math went into this. Um, like what what probabilistic distribution do people's friend relationships follow? Right? Is it a power law? Right? You have very few close friends and increasing numbers of more more distant ones. Is it a logarithmic distribution? Is it a power? You know, um, what's really the nature of that? friend set and because mm-hmm. we see this all the time it's like somebody has you know 1022 friends on facebook it's like well they have 1022 connections on facebook i don't know how many friends they have and this gets into that just sort of a little bit you know because facebook treats treats one like any other and it algorithms out you know what shows up in your wall on your feed you know based on in types of interactions but i have some really close friends who are on facebook that never show up on my on my facebook one i have no idea why and it's like all the stalking and clicking i can do they never pop up <laughs> my lab partner when i was an undergrad right um in in college it's like for all the clicking that i can do you know her feed never shows up on my it's like and i go to her wall and it's like she's on there it's like ah facebook you're getting this one wrong mm-hmm I don't know if their objective if their objective is to show me the people that I you know that I am truly closest to. They're not doing it right. Well, and I I think that even just the social media is an interesting thing because, like I will say, there are certain people that I'm closest to who I actively go to their pages on a regular basis just to double check that right. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, me too. For example. Um, like my husband's posts don't tend to show up in my feed. And yeah. and so he'll say things like, did you see that thing on Facebook? And I'll be like, uh, no. Um, and so I like, I will make an intentional effort to like, well, let's see what's happening over on Eric's page. Let's see what Paul's up to over here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and so it does like, it makes me wonder, um, like, really what's going on with uh, those algorithms and whether they're really <laughs> in our best interest. I'm not, well, I think we know if they're in our best. I think the answer I think, is no. Yeah, I think but, it's, yeah. <laughs> they're in Mark Zucker. Anyway. But there are, I mean, there's interesting things. Like, um, most of the time, uh, if I post something on Facebook, 
um, there are there are two or three people who I know like almost like they have an alert somewhere. Like oh, yeah. as soon yeah. as I post right. something, there are a couple of people like boom, they're on it. Um and then there are other people who like I could post as though my hair is on fire a and a hourly update of the the state of my hair on fire and yeah, yeah, nothing. And nothing. And it's crickets. Right. Crickets. But so so we can observe those things, but does the pattern of liking and commenting on Facebook reflect connection? No. Then what does it reflect? No, I don't. Well, I mean, part of it reflects what shows up on your wall, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this is this is sort of the Zuckerberg effect a little bit. You know, all kinds of nuance um, goes into what gets liked, what gets commented on, what gets uh, I don't know what what do you call it on Instagram when you hit the little heart button? What get you know? I don't even know. Hearted, yeah. Um, and and now there's the there are the varieties of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do have a rule, right, on my own. It's like always go when, – when somebody's birthday shows up, it's like always say happy birthday because I know I dig it so much when people say that on mine. You know, it's like I always wish people happy birthday mm-hmm. um, when, when they show up. And I don't know what kind of rule that is. If, if we're close or not, I still do it. And I say, oh, thanks. I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, all things are equal kind of kind of in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean – the. I think I think we all have our in, internal sort of check down of what do you like you know when you when you I, I don't want to say what do you like but it's like what what motivates one to to click the like button and what um, what what does not mm-hmm. I mean and the odds of seeing something every day you know does that increase you know if if somebody's always showing up do you tend to like their stuff more or less than somebody who shows up every once in a while when they do right and, and so i know that facebook and the folks at instagram which is facebook and the folks at linkedin and i know all these people have this data you know on on what people's tendencies are but whatever those tendencies are they're not a hard and fast rule they're probabilistic you know, right. their, their, their tendencies, their likelihoods there. And I know I've waxed and waned a lot on that. I mean, I don't post that much these days on Facebook. You know, I don't, I, I scroll. I don't really interact too much mm. except under, you know, a couple of different circumstances, you know, and those circumstances can change. Right. You know, through time as they do. Well, and I think, I think the social media platforms probably count on us not overthinking our patterns there, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, it makes the math easier on their end, right? Yeah. If we do react, if we reactively, yeah, you know, do it. Yeah, and I mean, even with my own experience, like I don't know when I'm looking at Facebook, like what it is I'm looking for, and I, I do find that I'm there a lot less frequently than I used to be, and you know, I go through patterns where sometimes I'll post a lot there. And sometimes I don't post at all. Yeah. Um, and it sort of waxes and wanes. Um, but I will say that something interesting that I've observed is um, if I'm posting more, despite the fact that I will get like a lot of interaction on uh-huh. what I post, it does not make me feel more connected to other humans. No, no. No, sort of the more the post, the more you like, the more you likes you get, the more you post, the more it shows up, the more likes you get. It's like, that's the rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, it's, 
it's interesting. Once I said to my therapist, like, um, I'm not sure being on Facebook is making me happier. And she's like, yeah, yeah no one's come in here and said that. Like, yeah. no one's getting happiness right. from it. But it is this interesting... To me, it's an interesting thing where it's like connection theater. It looks like connection. It looks like conversation. Um, And I think when I'm, you know, as we move through winter, um, I am more apt, as many people are, um, for pockets of uh, bluesiness and or uh, bits of depression and I yeah, know sure. yeah, totally, totally. when I'm, when I'm in those spaces, um, I can see something like social media, um, feel even more isolating, mm-hmm. um, because it looks like connection, but it's definitely not what I actually associate with connection. Right. Right. And there've been, there've been a couple of times when I've looked, um, at, some social media platform and there's like a couple of couple of folks I know and their family and a couple of friends like eating dinner like all with like this kind of this typical group hug selfie kind of it's like why aren't you wearing masks it's like oh my god that's why this pandemic is still going on this pisses me off you know um so that that's kind of interesting it's like don't post irresponsible pictures of yourself not maintaining the rules of uh pandemic life um you're just going on there and judging people i see yeah yeah but i mean isn't that what it's for ultimately right that's that's ultimately what what all of this is um maybe that's not necessarily true you know and for i think for many people you know social media has provided you know i don't want to say a lifeline but it has had um a a, it, it plays into somebody's it might it might be a part of somebody's you know, way to, to maintain some balance in their, in their lives. Um, during this, during this time, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, if it wasn't for social media, what would we be doing? I mean, what would we, you know, if it wasn't for technology, how would this be different? And that's, I don't think that's a question to, that we love to ask because we sort of know, go back a hundred years ago and look at the, you know, the Spanish flu. Um, I, I can't imagine the isolation that people felt then. I can't, I just can't mm-hmm. imagine it. Um, but I mean, if it's today, if it's isolating today, yeah, just imagine. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's curious how, um, what, what has happened with social media through this, through this pandemic. And I mean, the big thing that I usually just think about is, is Zoom, you know, or, or we're on Skype right now, but any of these Google Duo, pick one what would this world be without these things now, without these tools now, what would this world be? Or the internet, just in general, and the bandwidth to carry this stuff, albeit imperfectly, as we've seen over the last couple of days, um, where would we be without this? And um, it's, it's yet we, we shudder to think. Um, but then again, uh, a year and a year and a half ago, when I did a, a seven day silent meditation retreat in Massachusetts, um, they do this ceremony on the first day, on the first morning, um, where you relinquish your phone, your cell phone, mm-hmm. and they put it in a Ziploc bag with your name on it, and they put it in the safe. You can have it back in seven days. Six and a half at that point, but the point is well made. And people, oh my God, you know, what am I going to do without my phone? What am I going to do without the connection? What am I going to do without 
all of this stuff that will tell you right for all the angst that goes into what am I going to do without my phone for a week you miss that thing for about a half an hour mm-hmm. you know and then it's like no I'm good and then uh, after after a week when you reclaim your phone from the from the office when it's time to go uh, that's oftentimes done with a little bit of hesitation mm-hmm. and with the feelings a little bit of some ickiness that goes along with it. I mean, you can feel it. It's like, uh, it, it feels like responsibility yeah. is being thrust upon you. Um, and I think it feels that way because that might actually be exactly what it is. You know, when I carry my phone around, yay, it's freedom, it's opportunity, it's connection, it's, you know, it's the world at my fingertips, it's all the information and all the world's libraries within a couple of, of clicks. Um, it also brings with it these feelings of responsibility that we have to maintaining these relationships this way. I mean, the number of texts that we get sometimes are shocking. The number of emails we get are shocking. And with that comes a responsibility to feel like we have to respond to them all. Mm-hmm. And it, and that when when given a break from that and going back to it, it can feel icky. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what a better way to, to say, but you can feel the weight of that responsibility coming back when it's when it's taken away or given away and then brought back to us. It's like, oh, now I have to check my email. Now I have to text these 15 people that text. And then I have, oh, and now I have to, oh, you know, because who am I if I don't? And then I'm a bad friend or I'm an irresponsible coworker or, well, I need to make sure I didn't miss anything that's happening in the world. By the way, nothing interesting happened that I missed over that week. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was, I don't know if it was like it was the most boring week in history that it was on the <laughs> retreat or just, it just wasn't what I was doing. It's like the world somehow managed to keep spinning. The sun still rose and the sun still sta- set, you know, and everything that had to happen happened despite the fact that my phone was not on me and I, I didn't have those connections with, um, in, in the way that they were represented with my phone. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, you know, people connected to one another for so long without them right like it should not be astonishing the fact that we can yeah it's like i've been here before yeah i grew up like this yeah i mean that's right like um i didn't get you know i didn't have a phone in uh until i don't remember if i graduated from college i mean i had a phone but it wasn't a smartphone i think i got a smartphone after i left college but i'm not really sure now i think it was 2004 2005 maybe yeah the roller razor v2 yeah best phone ever yeah it was around there for me but um i don't know i it's it is it is an interesting thing um i've been thinking a lot about connection and friendship and isolation um as we've been navigating quarantine for now almost a year almost a year um because I think, um, you know, I definitely prefer connection that is not mediated with technology, right? Like, yeah, um, sure. So for me, like this, I mean, the sign of real connection is often uh, when everyone forgets that they have a phone because they're present within the situation. Right. Right. right? Um, but how many, how many times do we even have that anymore? Right? Like, yeah, not, not as many. And, um, it was easy prior to this to confuse the technology for the relationship. Mm -hmm. 
You know, the, the, the relationship you have with somebody is not the technology that you have. And it, it was mistaken for that, I think, a lot of times. You know, because we're friends on Facebook, we have a relationship. Well, maybe we don't. Maybe we met each other once. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but is there, is, there, is there a relationship there? Is there? No. Not, not one that, I don't want to say the word meaningful, because it might be, not one that is um, regarded in the way as others, as others might be. And um, well, and it's certainly not intentional, right? Like after that, like, would you like to be my friend on Facebook? Yes or no? Um, for a re- for a connection to really be a connection after that, it has to have, I think, some s- bit of intention to it. And I think that's why, yeah. um, as I look at what my friendship circles look like now, a year later, um. That's been a really interesting dividing factor of how many relationships were the product of proximity and how many relationships um, actually thrived when we moved into this place of intentionality. Yeah, we all found that out. Yeah. We all found that out, right? And I I do remember those early days of um, noticing that more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think, you know, and attempts to uh, maintain every relationship the same way without physical proximity it I, I don't think it can be done right you know or at least it, could, it couldn't be done in me um the relationships that have maintained have been maintained and the ones that have been set down for now have been set down for now and they can be rejoined or relegated to likes on social media mm-hmm. you know and and that's not either here nor nor there nor is it really an indictment or anything of what the relationship really really sort of is is or was it just sort of is what it is yeah you know um yeah it's 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 something that can be can be a troubling reality to to notice is like how many of these relationships i had previously were i don't want to say taken for granted in a a bad way but we're, we're there out of proximity where no, nothing much else went into it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but it was there and it was great and it was meaningful and I really appreciated the interactions I had with whoever that person was and we haven't had them in quite a while and we might have them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. And that's great. And that's great. Yeah, I think that, that you know? that's, I think that's always part of sort of how friendships flow within life, right? This is why right. one might have their high school friends and their college friends, right? Because as proximity changes, the friendship circles change. Like we know that is true. Um, yeah, right. But I think something- We've seen it all of our lives. We've seen it all of our lives. Right, yeah. yeah. But I think what's interesting is like the pandemic caused it to be like, well, I haven't changed jobs, but all of a sudden my circles changed. What, Right. you know? But I think it's, I don't know. I, um- I feel like I'm thinking myself in circles about connection and how we maintain connection and what connection really even means. Um, And I think it's partially because, um, and we've talked about this a little bit, like I'm really thinking about what it means to be connected to other people and whether or not we are always ultimately isolated from everyone else. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you think the gap between two people, knowing that we have words and words are flawed and all this stuff is true and and proximity is sometimes what we base our relationships on and social media and there's so many distractions. Can we really connect to other people or are we always fundamentally isolated from other people? I think um, we hold within ourselves the ability to be fundamentally connected with people um, outside of, of time and space. I don't need to say anything more about that, do I? I can just sort of leave that one. Uh, no, I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, as I was saying, it's like, I think I'm going to have to say some more about this. Um, space is easier to, to grasp than time. Time, it's like, all right, um, do I have a, do I maintain a connection with my, my parents, my mom and dad who passed away? Yeah, I do. You know, um, they, they live in my heart every day. Um, I have pictures around of, of them. My relationship sometimes feels closer with with some members of my family now that they've passed than they did when they were alive, simply because more intention goes into maintaining it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if I can say too much more specificity about that because I don't know if there is much more specificity to it than that. It's like I've had more conversation with my dad since he's passed than I did when he was alive, I think, or at least for the last 10 years of, of his life. I mean, I was we were across the country from each other. It's like we, you know... Um, Every relationship has its own complexities, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, what what I see is the physical relationship between, you know, my physical presence and somebody else's as part of a relationship and an interaction. It's not all of it. Mm-hmm. It's not all of it by virtue of the fact that, you know, I still have relationships, friendships pe- with people where we communicate in ways that are not um, in, in front of each other. You know, we used to love the once a year at a conference when we would meet each other and say hi and go to the bar and get a drink. And then we'll see you. We'll see you next November. Right. At the next conference, whatever it would be. And that relationship was maintained throughout that year by virtue of the fact that we were working with the same organizations. We shared a lot of interests with our students. We were, mm-hmm. you know, part of the same whatever, or, you know, professional group or whatever it would be. And those things can change, but those relationships can be maintained. And there, there are some people that I know I will probably never see again mm-hmm. in person who I have relationships with, you know, of the electronic form. Um, are those relationships real? Yeah, they are. You know, they, they are. Are they the same as an in-person one? No. There's a different flavor to them. There's a different nuance to them. There's a different um, way of being. There's a different set of interactions. Um I was texting with a friend of mine earlier today, and we agreed to have Zoom coffee later in the week. Somehow that's different. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's different. And I don't know if I can really say how that is. Besides, I can I can see them instead of just typing it. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what the what the meat of that is and but i i know that and this might be a you know a multi-decade meditation practice talking or or what i'm not sure you know but what what i am you know is not my body any more than it's my thoughts any more than it's my emotions any more than whatever. these things pass through me and i inhabit this thing and it's one aspect of my form there are there are others 
there are others, and it doesn't always get the last the last word on on what it is um, that I am and who I'm connected to. And I I know that physical presence was a big part of some relationships. Um, I know that it was a very very fleeting and minor part of others mm-hmm. that I've had. I mean, when it because when when we think about you know we were in the hallway and we saw this person in, on campus every day or we saw this person when we used to go to this thing all the time they had the I don't know come up with something a place you used to always go that you can't anymore that where you always this is the, the, the librarian right at the at the local public li- I mean pick something I don't know right um, where we just really aren't any longer the basis of that relationship was physical proximity mm-hmm. to each other on on a regular or recurring basis so much so that there was recognition that we're both humans on this earth um, for those kind of experiences. Yeah. I mean, physical proximity and what my body does and where my body is holding me is a big part of that for other people. That isn't true, you know, and the relationship can, has actually increased in strength as you grown stronger, you know, and more than been maintained without physical presence, because I don't think that's ultimately where a relationship comes from. Hmm. So then, you know the nat- the natural next intention, question. yeah, the, yeah, intention is where it comes from. Yeah. You know, the intention of what 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 it is. Um, what what is this? What is this? You know, if if I am not my body, if I'm not my thoughts, if I'm not my emotions, if I'm not you know this this whatever, if if I'm my awareness of these things, knowing that I have a body, knowing that I have thoughts and they're not always true, and knowing that I have emotions and they can run rampant sometimes, and they can be confusing, and sometimes they can be honest, and sometimes they can be misguided. Um, what what am I then, right? And it's that in, intentional awareness of, of all that is. And that awareness is the basis of those relationships as it is where we started this conversation. It's the it's the basis of what am I, what's my intention here in this communication? Mm-hmm. You know, and words are a good way. They're not perfect. They're convenient. Right. They're efficient. They're efficient. Um, I mean, we've seen people say so much and actually say very little at the same time. And, and the opposite is also true. We've, had, we've seen people change the world with a phrase. Mm-hmm. We've seen people write books that it's like, oh, God. Yeah. No words <laughs> were new said. here. You know, uh, we've seen it go both ways. Words can be cheap and words can be critical at the same time. Right. I think one of the reasons that isolation and like kind of what you're thinking about, like the idea of I have a body which is different, by the way, than I am a body. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or my body. Or just the same, you know, the, the body that is me. It's like, nope. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes because of the way that um, who we are and what we are is manifest, like the way um, people most obviously have access to it is by how we use the body and even you know, all the entities of the bodies from the fingers that can type and the tongue that can pronounce the words. We use this body to try to have connection. And I think that that's why I think a lot about isolation. I sometimes feel like we are all trapped within our body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so part of what connection looks like or the struggle for connection looks like for me is trying to overcome that distance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Having a body is really convenient. (laughs) 
it's like super convenient. It's like I'm really happy that I have one. <laughs> it works pretty well. Um, I, I will say not as well as it used to, right? In my younger years, it takes longer to recover when damage is incurred upon it and things like that. Um, it's, it's really great to have one, you know, and it, it does a lot of cool stuff for me. And it, 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 does, it's not, it doesn't have its occasional rebellion, you know, uh, but it, it plays along well enough for us to get through the day on most, <laughs> on, on most days. Not all. Not all, right? Um, occasionally it gets infected with things, but usually that's short, short term and short living. Um, uh, yet, you know, our, our bodies sometimes fail us and our awareness is maintained and our connection is maintained and we can, we can still feel things that move through our hearts and we the thoughts still come in and sometimes tell us the truth, but sometimes don't. Um, the body is one aspect of this that, that you are or that you have or that you inhabit or that you reside in or that carries you, you know, that's, that's not always who we, who we are, you know, it's, it's, that's code for it. it's not ever who we are, huh. you know, there's something inside of that thing that is the real, the real good stuff. And the body is one way it expresses itself and there are others, uh-huh. there are others, huh. the body's really convenient. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's good to have one. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have one. Doesn't always that doesn't doesn't always behave itself. Doesn't always do what it's told. Doesn't always doesn't always uh, serve me as well as I would like it to. But I don't always serve it as well as it should be liked as well. Well, because it has these needs you know? like every single day. Yeah, it keeps wanting water and like food and sleep and Sunlight. these other inconvenient. Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt that way. Literally, you know, as the phrase is, as the phrase goes. You know, um, it doesn't always treat me as great as it as as it as it could, but it, like I said, I don't always treat it as great. You know, I really like like nachos. Uh, cheese is good. Uh, I, I could probably use the muscles in it a little bit more, and they they'd be a little happier. A lot of sitting down lately. Uh, a good yoga regimen might be something that's appreciated by it every once in a while. Stretch it out. Um, it's true. So, I mean, what can I say? Mm-hmm. What can I say? Ah, well, you know, I don't know. We've said a lot of words, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, As we do with our mouths. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, We, I mean, there's no getting away from it, right? Like we do have a body and we have to spend a, a huge amount of time tending to it. And then we have to try to use it to connect with others. Um, because I think that that is the point. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but it's, I think so too. It's also a lot of work: the tending to the body, the connecting to others. It's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. We do our best. We do. I mean, because that's the job, right? Yeah, and everybody else's too. Yeah. The expectations, I think, are lower than we think. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Cool. Well, that was episode 50. Yeah, this is 50. 50. That's surprising. Uh, I don't know if that is. It, it was like, wow, there have been 50 of these. It's been something else. Which means in two weeks we will have been doing this for a whole year. Yeah, I think we've pretty much stuck to the one a week. I think we did, yeah. So we're going to be pretty yeah. close. Because I think first week of March is the one year. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that was it. Yeah, so. Uh, but 50 yeah. feels real. 
Yeah. And if anybody wants to go back and listen to those early episodes, anybody wants Mm -hmm. to go back and listen to those early episodes, they certainly can. Mm -hmm. I listened to the episode one the other, well, I did not listen to episode one the other day. I listened to a couple of seconds of the first episode the other day. (laughs) Just said, what did this sound like back then? It's like, well, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. You're always looking. I'm just strictly referring to the sound quality. Yeah, you're always looking for the audio quality. Could have been worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's been interesting to see um, in some ways since that first one, we've only recorded maybe, what, two or three in close proximity. Yeah, few. Uh, The rest have been at a distance. And yet we have somehow managed, I was about to say to maintain our connection, but I don't think that's true. No, it's it's different. It's grown, right? It's yep. it's evolved, adapted. It's been it's, intentional. It's, it's it's serving the time that it's in. Yeah. So you know, uh, us in the time that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure we solved anything related to words, connection, or any grand topic today. But yeah, we always have an interesting conversation. We do. And, you know, I hope that if we haven't, we haven't clarified things, maybe we have made them more confusing for you. Um, and if we've made it more confusing, I promise we'll tell you the answer next week. So listen in. I think Paul's lying. That was a bait and switch. Yeah, that was. <laughs> like He lied. He lied. Sometimes Paul uses his words to say things he does not mean. Yeah. <laughs> not very often, yeah. though. That was a shame. That was just a shameless plug. But um, yeah, we'd love to know, hear what people think. We'd love to hear what people think about this one. So yeah, you know, feel free to weigh in. Yeah. See what. Tell me what you think. Because yeah, it's it's complicated. It's it's a big topic, you know, mm-hmm. and it's relevant, and it's it's relevancy of this topic that has been forced upon us. Mm-hmm. I think, and and therefore it makes it worth worth investigating. Here we are, almost a year into this. Yeah, well, and I think it's you know I've I've talked to. A lot of people in the last couple of weeks who are really have been doing okay with the pandemic for a long time, but are just starting to like crack. And I think it's, yeah, I, right. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that winter is hard, seasonal affect starts to, you know, kick up. Just, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so uh, we've had snow the last couple of days, which is beautiful. But we haven't had the glory of like a real snow day. Like, right. Like no. the glory of a snow day is that you get to stay home. We're our, home. Right. So our snow day lost its magic because we're sentenced to another day in our home. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I know we talk about connection on this podcast all the time, but I think it's a good time to think about um, what, what we're really doing with connection. What are we doing yeah. when we're when we're turning to Facebook uh, for connection? When we're texting a person versus calling them? Like all of these are choices that we make. Yeah. Um, right. As we're trying to figure out how we connect our, you know, wonky body to another wonky body. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Well, happy 50th episode, Sherry. Happy 50th episode, Paul. And thank you, listeners. Indeed. For listening. Yeah. May we have 50 more. Indeed, yeah. And more. At least. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.
This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Podcast, yes. 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 Cool.